of cake and kombucha it's episode 40 you guys i cannot believe it thank you so much for those of you who have been listening since the very beginning you still send me updates you send me little clips of you listening shout out to my homeboy joey katsis and all you guys who bring a smile to my face and let me know that I hopefully brought a smile to your face, I really appreciate it. There's going to be lots more to come for 2019 and the beginning of 2020. We have some exciting things in the work that I cannot wait to share with you. Um, so that said, welcome to Cake and Kombucha. Cake and Kombucha is a place where I convene with myself. I am Kilechi Aza. I'm your host. And we gather here today and every week to talk about the cake, which is the juicy, mm, scrumptious, ridiculous celebrity gossip, reality TV, perhaps even things that the president is doing fall into that category, unfortunately. And the kombucha, which is the more serious stuff, the more... The stuff that makes you think. It might make you a little sad sometimes. It make you, might make you feel a little helpless. It's a place to unpack it and think about it and mix it with some humor so that we can get through our day. Hey, hey. So, yes, your girl, she is here. She's tired but not broken. The humidity will not break me down. I won't let it happen. Last night, I had a trans... Ascendant, scrumptrulescent evening at an intimate live show, intimate because I bogarted my way to the front by pretending that I was friends with someone and tapped them and then was like, oh my gosh, I thought you were him. Um, that's why I was intimate. So I was mm, five inches, 12 inches away from Raphael Sadiq the icon, the legend for Jimmy Lee. Jimmy Lee is his new album. I listened to it really quickly, and it a few songs stuck with me, not as many uh, before I went, and so I was on the fence about buying tickets just because I am such a like nostalgic, like young, old person that it's really hard for me if my favorite artist doesn't play stuff from like 20 years ago. Like I just need it in my life. And I was just, no one wanted to go with me, blah, blah, blah. Look, I went by myself. First of all, that show was brilliant. He has dedicated the album to his brother. His brother is Jimmy Lee. And one of his brothers, he's one of 14, he said. And this was a tribute to his brother who was the kind of like... One of those storytellers, the clown figure of the family that always was telling you some crazy mess that you love dearly, but is also oftentimes, you know, the most entertaining and lively and loving spirited family members are the ones who can also struggle with mental illness, drugs. So his brother did pass away from HIV, contracting it through intravenous drug use and this show was just conceived so magnificently. So Raphael is in the midst of a song that is 
you really, once you understand and once he tells you the story and how this is kind of a retrospective on his life at like 53 and people he's lost along the way and who makes it and who doesn't from his hometown in Oakland, which he sings about a lot, you're, you're listening to the lyrics a little bit differently. You're realizing that at this point he said it was his brother. I didn't even know that. So I'm listening differently. And then the stairs, uh, the little stairways to the side of this, the stage, you see a figure come down and just stumble down the stairs in full 70s regalia, quads popping out of his pants. It was the wonderful Daniel J. Watts, fantastic, like Broadway, like been in a million shows. I didn't know who he was before this evening, but as soon as I saw his quads, I was like, oh my God, we're getting like a theater. We're getting scene work and a concert. He was just Amazing. I mean, the way he embodied just the mannerisms of like you were transported to that person, you know, that old school dude from the block from the 70s. And he then is also the spoken word artist on the song Rikers Island, which is a political anthem about just how many black bodies are locked up. And let me tell you, I'm not like, you know, Deaf Poetry Jam was something that old, young, deep kids like me liked in in high school. No, that was like middle school. I'm not with the people talking like this. It is not my thing anymore. However, this, I would like, I've become a spoken word fan just from listening to him. It's not like saying it's spoken word doesn't do it justice. It is, but I don't want any of you guys to think of like what I just tried to imitate. So yeah, Daniel does his thing. Everything came together. It was fantastic. Like I said, I am Joanne the Scammer. I said, hey, what's your name? You in Broadway? Like, you look like my friend, KTB. Hi, KTB. You still listening? He was like, oh, yeah, me and KTB did the color purple. So my friends, a bunch of my friends are friends with him. Ebony, I haven't even talked to you yet, but I was hanging out with Ron Vey last night, too. And... It was just a good old time. Daniel takes us back to the VIP section, and then we go down to the bar. This is Williamsburg Music Hall, so the bar's in the basement, and get to hang out with Raphael Sadiq for a good two hours. (sighs) I've learned about myself that I am a prudish groupie. I'm scared to shoot my shot with people that I have sexually fantasized about since puberty. That's just something I've learned about myself after our going also to Van Hunt. Um, so I chase old black men that play the guitar around the country, but I just like say hi to them really respectfully and tell them intellectually how and emotionally, like how much their, the core changes mean to me. Um, so... If we could now bow our heads for a moment of silence for my vagina. Shout out to Christina and Daphne Inman, my friends and classmates from City Honors. Whoop, whoop, go Centaurs. That's my fifth through 12th grade school. Um, Daphne wrote on my Facebook wall after I posted a picture of Raphael Sadiq. Oh, you and Christina, Christina's her older sister. You and Christina were always listening to so much Neo Soul in seventh grade. Um, I'm glad you're finally meeting your faves. 
Thank you for that gentle, gentle dragging. Hey, remember how when you were 12, you were a 45-year-old lady at a white party at Essence Festival? Glad you're finally getting to electric slide through life, you old young bitch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wasn't like really that shady, but it's just kind of funny. I thought it was hilarious. And true, I was working on the other executive assistant at my day job to get her into chem. And I, you know, I've been really selling it. I'm still working. I'm still working on it. Those are nothing but facts. And now we're going to get into the rest of the show. We're going to cover some stuff that will, it has literally made me want to pull my eyelashes out one by one. I'm going to resist because I love mascara. Let's commence. So this should be one of the things I'm very irritated about, but instead I'm just miffed and, you know, I'm desensitized. Uh, Donald Trump has fired his, this will be the fifth uh, security advisor, national security director, rather. Let me get get the title right, but you know what I meant. John Bolton. The intrigue here is that Johnny boy literally just casually texted the New York Times reporters that, no, 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 no. No, no, no. F what you heard. I quit. Okay. I quit. I wasn't fired. So he said he resigned. Um, And then the next morning, Trump, as Trump does, twisted it to say that he had been fired. I just don't want to live in a world where this makes you look good and not incompetent. What do Trump supporters keep telling themselves? That no one trusts him or like no one is trustworthy You know, he's just so much better than the rest of America that it's hard to find people to stay in his organization, which is the White House. Like, how do you justify someone not being able to get along with some of the most ranging from like highly acclaimed, uh, acclaimed is for like a novel. You know what I mean? Like uh, highly credentialed people with celebrated careers to the whack job that was all nepotism. Like we've run the gamut with these different positions in the White House and no one can last whether they start out as his crony or not. They just get ran over. What does that tell you? How dysfunctional do you have to be for that to be the case? And what are the optics of us not having a a a steady national security director that shit cray as they say the old um the old english phrase that shit cray i just like what like <laughs> so allegedly the main dispute that made john bolton resign was that so tactfully right before 911 trump was going to have the taliban over to negotiate I seem to remember that we were not supposed to negotiate with terrorists or whatever. That's something that Obama, who, you know, was called weak on terror. Why? Just, I mean, it was basically just a thing to say to someone black who had a Muslim name. Um, But he, I seem to recall him being the one saying we don't negotiate with terrorists, like as a baseline rule. But um, this, you know, Obama figure who was, weak on terror and possibly a foreign Muslim terrorist himself while also being a practicing Christian from Hawaii. Guess what he never did? He never had the Taliban over for green juice and buckwheat energy balls. So I just want to understand the 
idea behind this little coffee clutch, this little kiki that the president was planning. But the national security director, he must have felt somewhat similarly uh, to me in terms of the confusion, and he resigned. He said, I can't control this nonsense anymore. My input is no longer needed. You're going to do what you want. Mm, Okay. You know, it seems like we should just split ways. And that's what happened there. But I just think our optics are are completely nuts. I mean, the other thing that was all over the news, which I don't want to be like Trump and blame the news media, but sometimes I wonder what the ethical line between saying everything that you heard is and because there are definitely stories you don't cover, right? I'm not talking about hiding the truth. I mean, I guess what I am describing would be an agenda, but the agenda would literally be just national security, which I think is kind of a baseline. We could, we, sh- we should all be able to agree that it's better to not be easily targeted by other countries than not. So, wait, what did I just say? It's better to be safe from being targeted by other countries than to be a target for other countries. That was so long-winded. I'm sorry. So what I'm saying is, like, whatever political party you are, blah, 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 if you like watching public interest stories about cats and trees or not, if you're going to pick an agenda, I would think it would just be, like, American safety. So might these news anchors craft their reporting so that they do not blast all over the television that a Russian spy was found living in D.C. who has confirmed that Russians did have a say in the elections. They they were manipulating our elections in 2016. A, we already know this, and the only reason we have to keep bringing up you know, finding more evidence to bolster this fact that's already been bolstered is that it's never just been properly acknowledged by Trump and we're just dominated by this whole, you know, throw her out. I love WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks, amazing. Wiki. I mean, it's crazy. So he never acknowledges that he embraced any of these things, like Russian meddling. And so I guess that's why maybe... Some liberal news media, I didn't see if conservative news media was covering it, feels propelled to just keep hammering it. But I want to live in a world where we don't announce on television that we found a spy who's, like, talking to us now because the Russian government is going to come kill him, and, and they we know that they do this. Like, they will cyanide you sitting on a park bench. They will put cyanide in your magnolia cupcakes and some razors to boot and just be like, hey, have a great day, bleed out in the street. That's what happened to this, that spy and dude and his daughter. I don't know where they were, somewhere on the East Coast, too. There's also another Russian spy. So I was read the headline, and I just kept being confused. It's like, is this something you're allowed to talk about? And then the guest that CNN brought on was just talking. It was someone in the government, some like ex-military dude who was talking about how pissed he was that this was being shared and how irresponsible it was, which is kind of meta-theatrical, if you think about it, to be invited on a show to comment on how the thing that you're invited to comment on is a secret. But yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. Like, doesn't that make us look like we're vulnerable to having spies be really successful and just live among us uh, for years and years? Like, I think that's just a weakness that we wouldn't want to advertise. But you know, no one has any boundaries. Trump tweets documents that are classified. It's Tuesday, you know? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday today. Um, What else with Trump? Chrissy Teigen got 
She, what she call him, a pussy-ass hoe? Pussy-ass hoe, give a fuck about a trap? Um, no, pussy-ass bitch, because he went on some weird white savior rampage about all the stuff that he's done for prison reform and how he's not recognized. What kind of recognition do you want, sir? We really got to think about the questions that we're asking, and you can't, like, where I'm from, you don't, let me put it this way, in the theater, like, you don't clap for yourselves. It's very gauche to put a performance on and then to clap with people. You don't, it's like a no-no. That's how I was raised. I mean, it's definitely a no-no, obviously, optically, but I was also raised that it's, like, deeply, it's like, like, coming to someone's house and putting your foot in their casserole. It's just, like, one of those things that you don't do using your left hand in certain African places, showing the underside of your foot to certain Middle Eastern places. It's just a no-no. And so that's the spirit in which I read this. Like, did you just really, you just are generally complaining how a pop R&B star, because he said, you know, people credit people like John Legend and his foul-mouthed wife, Chrissy Teigen, but not me. Like, this is your Wednesday? Or it might have been a couple days ago. But what, what is, where, what do you, did you want flower? I don't understand. I don't understand what he wanted in that moment. And I think he was also talking about the people that Kim Kardashian convinced him to let out of jail. Like that might've been like, what else did you do? So anyway, Chrissy, true to form said, oh, I have a foul mouth. Well, you're a pussy ass. Bitch. Bitch. Because why not? Why not? You say all kinds of things to everyone else. So fuck you, Donald Trump. The end. That's that's all I got. We're not safe. Can't pretend to you we are. So let's talk about something else. Black Twitter never disappoints us when we're looking for some mess, and especially not when celebrities also respond to things. So a young woman got on Twitter. She posted some side-by-side pictures with her and Chili, Rosanda Thomas, the legendary, uh, the third member, I don't know what, they're not ranked, Chili from TLC. And she said, I get I look like Chili a lot. What y'all think? Now these pictures are her standing up with her hair down, Chili with her hair down, her with her hair in a bun, Chili with her hair in a bun. She don't look like Chili. Not, not at all. Not, I mean, she doesn't look like her. I don't, I don't see it. She looks more like, um, who's the girl that I like? Chris Brown's ex-girlfriend. That hilarious girl. Oh, she looks more like Karuchi Tran than Chili. But Chili took her time out of her busy, you know, ex-pop star day and said, long, straight, slash, wavy hair and similar skin tone doesn't mean you look like someone. You're a doll, but we don't look alike. Okay. The internet is totally divided on this one. Some people are in her comments talking about you're an old, bitter bitch, which I don't know why the ageism always has to come out. Other people are saying that's why you don't have a man and crazy stuff like that. I don't fucking know if she doesn't have a man. Like, what the fuck? Um, But 
people think it's rude. And first, I was on the side of people that didn't think it was rude. Like, there's a lot of people doing the whole, which I don't want to be associated with this, and I think it's such a weird thing for black people to jump in on too, but the everybody's so offended nowadays. Like, back in the day, in segregation days, the mule walking down the street kicked me in the eye. You didn't see me complaining. Why everybody's so sensitive nowadays? Like, shut up. What does that mean? That people now voice that they think things are wrong. But anyway, that's the whole, I mean, you guys have heard me talk about this before. So some people were like, everyone's so offended nowadays. She plainly stated something. She said this. She said that. That's a fact. And I almost got swayed into that side of like, oh, those are just facts. And then I remember that this is a teenager or, or young person who's comparing themselves to you because they admire you. You, it's, it's also, you usually don't think a celebrity is going to say anything. So for a celebrity to come out of their way to correct you and say no to A, the thing that you thought was a little bit of a connection to them and B, just that you're like basic because <laughs> like leading into this whole conversation about colorism, um, that that's hurtful. It's, it's not, it's uneven power structure. So as someone who has a lot of accolades and acclaim as people looking up to you, I don't, I won't say it's your responsibility to be gracious about things, but I will say that if you're not, it's just weighted differently than it is for someone who's a regular Joe on the street. So yeah, I mean, when you know people are like obsessed with you and worshiping you and trying to look like you, you are a little humble about it. You don't have to publicly embarrass someone in any way. And I think it can be embarrassed to be admonished at all in public. So that was, yeah, I was like, okay, no, that wasn't really right. No, she, you know, and saying, oh, you're pretty doesn't mean you didn't just like school someone on something else or like drag them a little bit. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like I said, it's not just about how you look. It's about the, I look up to this person and I cared enough to superimpose picture of us that don't look alike at all <laughs> and tweet them at you. So that's, that's where I've landed. But I also read the hilarious backstory that this happens all the time. And now, and I get it. Like I get it as a black person, we have the colorism thing. I mean, African-Americans do, Africans do to different degrees, I guess, to like a darker scale of degrees. Um, it's, it's, it's within everywhere colonized and enslaved. It's, it's a thing, but we, we got it, we got it deep. And certainly if you are a, you know, a dark skinned woman with wavy hair, um, that, you know, then you're like a, a black girl with good hair and you're going to get asked a lot of questions. Like she's, Chili's just like kind of an icon for looking like Indian or Coolie or whatever you want to call it. And I am more than certain she, like I said, gets tired of being kind of fetishized and put on this weird pedestal for having, you know, a wet and wavy hair texture and having every little, you know, black girl with silky curly hair. Someone be like, oh, she looked just like you. She looked just like you. She looked just like you. Like, no, she doesn't. Like, I remember I have a friend who has um, some beautiful kids. He, he's mixed and his wife is mixed. And 
his son looks just like my baby cousins did when they were um, little. They have like this kind of yellowish golden dusting of melanin. Uh, these are half white, half black kids and blue eyes and little like, cute round faces, stubby noses and like curly, a curly blonde fro. And so I was like, oh my gosh, she looks just like my cousin. And he like kind of like almost like rolled his eyes like, and I think it's just like that mixed or whatever, having whatever features people just being put on a pedestal of fetishism reduced of their, uh, you know, having their individuality stripped away. And so he was ready to just see like any mixed child, like, which is undoubtedly, I've never asked him about this directly, but undoubtedly that's what happened. And he's mixed himself. So he must just get all kinds of shit like that. And then I showed him the picture and he was like gobsmacked, like, oh, oh, wow. They really do look alike. And so they really do look alike, told me all, everything I need to know. And so I just, it was just a funny moment for me to realize <clears throat> someone's alternate experience they must be having, you know, because I'm not biracial. I have my own other weird, dumb comparisons. Um, so yeah, Chili's sick of it. She's sick of it. It happens all the time. And then, yeah, like as uh, people just started subtweeting that it wasn't the first time she corrected someone. Is it funny that she has enough time to respond back and correct people? Yes. That shit is hilarious. Does that mean that she's a failure and has no life? No. She's rich. She put her work in in 1992 so she can sit there now and do what she's doing. So, you know, there's a line. Like, it's just that kind of thing. Like, are you bothered or are you unbothered? Like, you're bothered because you said something, but... You know, that doesn't mean you're enraged and it doesn't mean you're, you just have no life and you're on a crusade. People can respond to a couple internet comments a day, but you know, I, I think all that is, so I see where she's coming from with the need to try to spread some education around, but I still think I might've just said, oh, sweetie, thank you. You're so cute or something like that, but I don't know. In that moment, maybe she really felt like, no, I need to tell people to stop just comparing every, you know, light-skinned person to a light-skinned person, every, like, dark-skinned person. Like, y'all, like, I have a face. I have facial features. I don't know. That was her ministry that day. I'm not super mad. Um, and who knows? Maybe this girl, she tweeted the shade room. She just wanted, like... What if what if the black mirror theory is that she knows she doesn't look like her and she's a giant troll that wanted to go viral? Maybe I should try that. Hey, Chloe Kardashian. Everyone tells me we look just alike. In a disturbing bit of technological news, a UK-based advocacy group called Privacy International has just shared its findings exclusively with BuzzFeed, which is, they give them the exclusive, that uh, they have found that popular period tracking apps, which include one called Mia, Femme, and Maya, I've heard of Maya, I use one called Flow, which is not mentioned here, thankfully, sent this private period tracking data, like how women used contraception, the timing of their monthlies, 
their symptoms. You say, you know, that you're sad, you're bloated, you shit a lot. Like literally these are all questions there. They sent them directly to Facebook. This is an alarming amount of personal data because I called it Mia. I'm just going to call it MIA. It's, it's like in caps locks, MIA, no periods. So I'm really not sure. MIA has 2 million users worldwide and Maya has more than 5 million downloads. So the, let's see, it says the data sharing with Facebook is via Facebook software development kit, which is something that helps app developers incorporate particular features and collect user, user data so Facebook can show them targeted ads. So the reason that they want our period information is because literally they have found that women are more susceptible to being influenced to do certain things and make purchases at certain times of the month in their cycle. This kind of biological manipulation is, it's interesting. It's a gray area to me. Like you do now, you do say that you're okay with your data being shared. Like you do sign permissions for certain things like this. So technically they asked and what they do with the data or how someone crafts a marketing campaign, you know, is knowing that women may act certain ways at certain times of their cycle. Is that more manipulative than marketing diamond rings towards Valentine's Day or putting some moving music behind some ads? I have, there's certain commercials that make me cry on cue and I'm, I get pissed Cause I, it's like someone who just pushed a button. Like, remember, was that one we were all cried over? The, the, the one with uh, can't help falling in love with you, uh, with when he drew her the sketch and then later proposed to her when the gum wrappers. I can't help falling in love. They did that acoustic emo remix, and it was over. It was all over. So where is the line there? You know, where is the line? Now. What I thought was really gangster was that BuzzFeed is basically being <laughs> like threatened legal action for sharing this information with us, which means that A, you, they kind of know they're doing something wrong, or at least that people definitely would feel violated by it and wouldn't like. And how BuzzFeed responded to this was, just printing the letter that the lawyer sent, which I thought was so funny. It was like, we will threaten legal action if you tell on us. And then they were like, okay, they're threatening legal action for what we told you, y'all. <laughs> like, let me read it. Where, where, where is this thing that they... Um, hold on one second. Okay, she's back to Mia because... I just need to give her like a a personality now because Mia's going off the rails. So Mia Femme, it said they sent a detailed statement to, in response to Privacy International for publication. Like that's informational, but I don't legally have to print like what you told me that you wanted to say, your spin. Uh, but Privacy International just shared that with BuzzFeed News for this article. Then... Uh, after BuzzFeed contacted Mia, they asked first for a copy of this article for a draft and details about which part of the statement that it wrote to Privacy International would be quoted. Again, you can ask. I don't have to. That's just 
like I don't I don't have to tell you what they told me and what I'm putting in my article is like courtesy. So then they threaten legal action against Privacy International, which I don't like. I don't know what they did, but if they're just find out things about you, what are you gonna do? Like I don't work at your company. I didn't sign an NDA for you. I I, I could be sweeping the floors out in the building next door and just hear y'all, you know, downloading cramp information. So this is the strongly worded letter that MIA sent to BuzzFeed News via email, which I kind of think was shady for them to, like, mention, because is that even, like, professional? They said, we hereby urge you to erase all the material erroneously obtained without prevarication and delays. We shall be waiting on your confirmation of the erasure. What? That's... I... Are you my mom? Like, what do you, you can't, you can wait. Okay, keep waiting. What do you mean erroneously obtained? Whose error was it? You mean that you somehow had a loophole where you let some information come out and you just wish that you didn't, so you're urging me to do something that I don't have to do. And you have the nerve to get buck and say, I'll be waiting for you to let me know when this is handled. You didn't, you can't call the manager on this one. Like, no, just no. So they warned BuzzFeed not to quote anything from its email correspondence on copyright grounds. Like, did you really copyright the letter you sent to the Privacy International Agency? I don't know, but it seems like you would just, like, have said that first, right? So BuzzFeed also, like, they just have no fucks given they list like in quotes put everything that they said so it says mia fem continues as buzzfeed has not been the intended recipient of the email it should have never been shared with buzzfeed and you as its representative like again when you work for a company sometimes there's that thing at the bottom like when i get emails from lawyers saying like if you're not the intended recipient of this like please delete it I mean, I might, but you already sent it. Like, it's a thing within your own company. You're not supposed to disseminate information that you promised, agreed, signed to somewhere not to share. That does not apply to other people. Y'all are tripping. Considering that the unauthorized disclosure has already happened. Yeah, so then the same thing. Considering that the unauthorized disclosure has already happened, we urge you to erase all the material. Like, are you going to pay me? I mean, I guess that's bribery, but if ever bribery seemed appropriate, literally what is in it for me to, to as Budfeed, to do that? So, anyway, that was just, it's just crazy. It's so personal and so, like, I just imagine them, this this image of them tracking, like, our deepest, darkest, like most painful, the, just the things that we go through as women, like, like today I woke up and, you know, broke all the mirrors in the house and wrote my name on the wall and blood. Ha! It's day three of my cycle. <laughs> like, what do you expect to really find? Like I, she's sad generally, like send her more ice cream ads. Like, it's just it's just such a weird I just get a weird image from it. Like observe the wild human female in her menstrual habitat. 
Look how she searches for the best fibers of natural tampons with no chemicals added. Yes, I'm a South African from New Zealand. Forget that happened. Anyway, BuzzFeed, thank you for not only making useless quizzes, but breaking interesting news quite often, making YouTube stars, helping the culture, just pushing the culture forward. We appreciate you. Um, That was hilarious to me. I just, uh, like, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Do you remember that disgusting family that had the newborn baby? This is a YouTube family, which we discussed on the show. They had the newborn baby and sat just dissecting the kid like they were on an auction block, evaluating its skin color and why the mother was complaining that she didn't have green eyes like her. This The mother's a biracial woman um, who looks mostly white and said... I thought she had green eyes like me, and she said she was disappointed to the point where her husband said, brown eyes are nice, too, um, for 45 minutes. That's what these people did when their baby was first born. I mean to tell you, I just, like, put the baby back in. It was so disgusting. And there was an Internet, uh, you know, scandal and a lot of a lot of discussion around it, and that's how I became aware of their existence, to my dismay. Um, They have 4.3 million fans. I just can only cover myself that there's a lot of people in the world and seem to be plenty of idiots for plenty of content. I don't know what to say. I mean, also, like, there's millions of followers that follow people I like, like Jackie Ina, who today dropped a this week, rather, dropped an amazing video about colorism in the community. A month later, from the Chris Brown debacle with his, like, I only like good care, uh, girls with good hair lyric and how he doesn't let dark-skinned women into the section, um, into his VIP. She sat down, Jackiana, makeup YouTube icon with her 3.1 million followers and talked just complete no-holds-bars real talk about colorism, how disingenuous it is when people say something's not a preference or it's just a preference, it's not a... Racism And Jackie pointed out very saliently and concisely that having a preference would mean you like something. You would talk about how much you like it. You wouldn't put down everything else and just rant about how much you hate everything else. So if these black men who like light-skinned biracial women, whatever, really just had a preference, then you would just do that. But stop bringing other black women into it all the time. When I say Jackie, Mortal Kombat finished people, certain people that we all know, she said... So what do you and your partner have in common other than disliking black women? Having mixed kids can't be the whole point of your life. That's not going to sustain a relationship. And so then I turn on the internet to find that this same family, so they do pranks with each other, right? That I also want to try to figure out why they're funny. I don't get how people think they're funny because they're predicated on a surprise element that's preposterous. But today, Bianca, who is the mother in the family, she literally starts the show like this. Hi, everyone. My name is Bianca. I'm not, I'm not kidding. And then says, okay, so today I'm going to prank Darrell. 
and I'm gonna look totally different. I'm gonna look totally different, okay? I just gotta look totally different because he tried to Uber prank me, but his was lame, so I'm gonna do it over again. And then she uh, she decides to Podon. So this again, this is a white, almost white passing. I mean, in some settings, blue-eyed, white skinned, straight-haired biracial woman who decides for her disguise she is going to put on chocolate dark 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 foundation all over her body because she's going to transform into a and this is the title card they put on ghetto girl I'm not trying to I don't ever want to call anyone ghetto as a derogatory term because you're from where you're from and we have literal ghettos in America for because of redlining and the way you talk or your socioeconomic background and the way culturally that black Americans have blended our language together that is not inferior however for you to suggest that you think you're not that because you are light-skinned and unironically say, so look, I'm going to have, look, I'm going to wear these nails and I'm going to put this on, um, but I just got to figure out, I'm supposed to be a ghetto girl. So I pay, I pay, look, I'm changing my, I'm using the, found, I'm look, look totally different. So yeah, because I'm going to be a ghetto girl. So I got to figure out how I'm, how I'm going to talk. Um, I think you could talk the same way you're talking now. I don't, like, bitch, what the fuck? So she paints herself in dark paint, puts on long nails, a wig, and then she just says to the camera, look, and, and like, I know people going to take it some kind of way, but it's just, um, it's not trying to like put anything down. It's just, it's just like a joke. It's just because this is the only way I can look different. Okay. Well, as long as we have that out the way, that blackface is the only way that you can look different when really like how does being a different complexion and having the same fucking face make your husband not recognize you except for the fact that he's like disgusted by black women, which he kind of is, which if you analyze his reaction at the end. So like, but first of all, this whole world of people like announcing that something isn't offensive if they tell you it's not offensive it's just, I'm just doing it. So I know people are going to say some kind of thing. Okay, so then maybe don't do it. But sadly, I mean, she has so many fans gassing her up that I don't think she has a real impetus to not do it because people were loving it. So then she gets, he gets in the Uber. He's clearly acting badly. He's being really short with her. And you're just not that mean to people you just met, especially if they're an Uber driver. And even if they have weird paint on their face, because that doesn't have anything to do with driving. You know, if, if you don't want to talk to your driver, you don't engage. I mean, he sat in the front seat of an empty Uber in front of a camera. And then they pretended that it was a surprise. How the fuck did he call an Uber? She's not a real Uber driver. And she was ready in hair and makeup at the same time. Like, I feel like there was some horror movie where... I read about someone, or maybe this was like shrunken heads or something. Mummification. It's mummification. They put a hook in your, they used to put a hook up the nose 
and pull out the brains that way. That's what I feel like just happened to me. Reading people laughing and saying it was funny, I don't understand because it wasn't a prank. No one was tricked. So then they get in the car and like she pulls over to some park and he's like, what are you doing? We're not supposed to be at a park. And she's like, I just, I just want to take you to this park. She changed it. She started talking like a Southern granny. I guess, I don't know. She couldn't keep the other voice. This sounded just like her voice up. And then he takes off running down the street and she, she's chasing him. This grown man is running from this woman. Like that would be his real reaction. And he says, I'm, she says, I'm your wife. It's me. It's me. And he says, no, get away from me. Why do you look like that? Now, mind you, this isn't zombie makeup. It's just dark skin. But he says, no, get away from me. Uh, uh. Yes, of course, he's dark. You don't have to ask. Also, are you joking? <laughs> you pranked her before in an Uber. Like, somebody got to send me the details of this. But anyway, I did a cursory glance through the comments, and people... Are like, I love you, Team Bianca. Like, I don't know why everyone's so upset. Like, fuck the haters, da 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 da. And like, most of these watchers are black. So, you know, that just goes to show you people are not a monolith and not everybody thinks the same. Because I don't relate to that shit at all. It's completely crazy to me. And I only was made aware of this from blogs complaining about it and dragging her. So that, that just goes to show you. But I need to tell you, when I realized it was the same family that was complaining about the girls, the baby's eye coloring and, and dark complexion, what kind, I, oh, I wanted, I wish I could hear what Jackie Ina would say about this, because what kind of, like, literally, they are the family that Jackie described that has nothing in common but wanting to have mixed children. What the fuck kind of hates? racism, self-hating, like, what is going on in that family? Oh, my gosh. This is craziness. I mean, there's going to be no repercussions. They're not going to lose followers because this is what they do. It's just really bizarre. I mean, you know the internet is a wild, vast place, but my Lord. Now for some quick entertainment news. Um, Scarlett Johansson is under a lot of controversy because she has recently come out in support of Woody Allen. And people are confused. I mean, I think one of the first reasons I can think of to be confused is that, like, no one asked. So that's one. Um... And then her statement that's being quoted, and I'm I'm sure it's in the context of a larger interview, but she says, I love him. She'd work with him all the time. And she said, I see Woody whenever I can. And I have had a lot of conversations with him about it, it being the sexual assault allegations of his daughter. I have been very direct with him, and he's very direct with me. He maintains his innocence, and I believe him. So, I mean, what can I really say? Like, it's, I, I guess you're always making a choice to believe someone or not believe them if you weren't there and if there's not, like, physical evidence. But I think it's just weird to say I believe 
an accused rapist because I asked him if he did it and he said no. Don't most people that do most crimes say no? I just, I'm just not sure how this is a, a method of discernment. Um, yeah. So I wish she had just said, like, to be more honest, you'd have to say, like, I don't believe Dylan. I don't believe this woman, then girl, is telling the truth about what happened. But then that would sound worse for, like, the Time's Up movement, of which Scarlett Johansson is a part of. But instead you're saying, I believe him. He's very direct. I've been very direct with him. Like, how? You mean you didn't leave it on a note card under a potted plant in his kitchen? Like, hey, did you rape your daughter? You just, like, okay. Yeah, you don't have to be direct. Everyone's talking about it in the news. What, is, what does that mean? And he's been very direct. He told me, no, I didn't. Just, like, I don't, those are just words that are meant to make something sound meaningful that doesn't. So I think it's strange. I think it's unnecessary. I guess she's flexing like peak fame right now that she's kind of run amok of her publicist for the, I wasn't even going to say anything, but this just keeps, keeps happening. I think she reneged on the whole, all the apologies she gave for cultural appropriation for attempting to play that transgender woman in that film, one film that just got shut down. And by the way, I know no one conservative is listening to this show, but like shut down means someone removed their like financial backing, which people can do if they don't like something. They literally like invest in projects that they care to. So when something gets shut down or something, you lose funding for something or something doesn't happen because of your beliefs or because of something PC, that's, that's, you might as well just call that something just not happening because someone didn't want to. It's not an agenda. It's, I mean, it's someone's agenda, but it's that person that has the money. So yes, the film was shut down, whatever you want to call it. Didn't go through because of the internet hubbub. And then her other show movie, which I cannot remember the name of at all, was Go Ghost in the Shell, where she played a Japanese woman trapped in a white android's body or just something very confusing. But the anime, the person in the anime, the person's not white. So she was really, 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 really dragged for this. And she came out and apologized. And now, like just a few weeks ago, she's saying, you know, stuff like, you know, slippery slope arguments, like where's the line? Are we going to say that everyone has to be of a certain race to play this role? And I think being an actor, I don't know no, what she really said was being an actor means being able to play all roles. Okay. Another moment of silence because I just, I just wanted to pause because that does not apply to race Scarlet. That's never what was meant by that. In fact, that statement reminds me of another black people doing blackface, mixed girls doing blackface thing that happened today online where this model with quite a good deal of followers, she's very fair-skinned, has red hair and freckles, but if you look hard, you could see that she's half black, but not again, not, a, not giving it a, a first glance. She painted herself in dark, dark, dark brown paint today and said, I'm like so proud of myself. I'm just testing out my versatility bitch, being dark skin isn't a skill. You can't be versatile by like being able to look like a different woman that you're not, that's 
like, what the fuck? Like, huh? Isn't versatility and modeling, like, I do swimsuits, I do runway, I do beauty editorial, I do prints, I do... It's not... I can be dark-skinned if I paint myself. What the fuck? Anyway, I digress. The point is that after apologizing, ScarJo took it back, and then she now wants to make these comments. It's just, It just struck me as strange. I don't know what's going on. If she's run amok of her PR, she's just testing the waters to see, do I really need PR, or am I so awesome I could just say whatever I want and no one will ever cancel me? Who knows? continue the the thread of talking about clueless white women and pick up with the fact that Dorinda Medley and Sonia Morgan of Real Housewives of New York are now under fire for transphobic comments that they have made and fans are demanding that they be fired. I should say that obviously this is not going to be all fans. Lots of people would not care one way or the other about something like this, but I'm so disappointed because I love Sonia. I've met her. I never told the podcast a story about how I met her in an elevator. I was leaving an audition. Uh, I was leaving a practice room that I'd rented at Roy Area Studios, and she was this was her cabaret era. You know, you may not remember. Well, before the Countess started doing cabaret, uh, Sonia Morgan was doing burlesque. It was really weird. And uh, and just like a, a, her Dada-esque is her Picasso blue period of flashing her butt at people, I guess. And I was in an elevator. And in New York sometimes, especially as an actor, you get mixed up who you know from TV and who you've actually met before because you just... So many people look generally familiar, and you're like, did I work with you at an audition? Have I just watched you do something? It kind of blends together. And so I was just looking at her, kind of, and then she was like, you're gorgeous. And I was like, you are Sonia? And we, like, hugged, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful in person. You look great. She's like, oh, really? I lost weight. How does it look? Do you like me without tits? This was her question. And I was like, you look amazing this way. I love the boobies too. Either way, you're fabulous. So that was our encounter. So I've always kind of liked the fact that you could still just be kind of a fun, hoish, drunk mess at 52. Just really a woman about town. No fucks given. Walk of shaming. Every day is an exciting day. I think it's entertaining, and I think she is pretty authentic. So I I don't know. I stand for her just being completely nuts and being who she is. That said, let's get now into what they said. Um, and it was a, at a Fashion Week show. Uh, do I really need to tell you which one? Uh, let me see. I'm not. This is not my wheelhouse. I don't know this designer, Garo Sparrow. And the transgender model's name is Yasmin. I don't know Yasmin's last name. So 
when Yasmin was walking down the aisle, you hear Dorinda say, oh, oh yeah, it's a guy. It's a, she, it's a guy. That's a guy. And then Sonia says, oh, oh yeah, with a body like that, it's a guy. Now, it's really inappropriate to, first of all, don't talk about people when the stage effectively is a flat floor, the same level that you're on, five, five inches from you. They, I, I mean, an awareness, a lack of awareness that you can be heard, that performers like hear the things you're saying. I'm not saying that models, you know, they're not going to go all comedian on you and be like, fuck you, you stupid bitch audience. I'm going to put a stiletto in your eye, you dumb, ungrateful fucks. They're not going to go Pete Davidson on you, but they have feelings and they can probably hear you. So Yasmin said later that she can hear you. She could hear them. The thing that breaks my heart is a couple things. I feel like the inner, um, my inner Nancy, who is the, uh, that's the, that's the white woman that is inside of me that I used to call the manager. Nancy knows these women really well and they didn't mean harm. Although as we know, intent does not excuse ignorance. I know that they meant because Yasmin's body is banging in a way that's only achieved with either well, but now plastic surgery and stuff is much more popular amongst um, everybody, you know, fake butts, whatever. So that that's, has nothing to do with your gender anyway. But even like a lot of men in drag will have beautiful legs that look better than any female. You could just look and see like the amount of body fat that they don't have. And you're like, oh, yeah, women just don't get to have all of those things at one time. Fuck you. You look better than me in a dress. So. I think they were actually complimenting her figure because I know Sonia, but it was just an inappropriate thing to say because it shows that they, you know, they misgendered her. They called her a guy. There's a lot going on. Now, I don't know if they knew that she was trans because I do think that we do have to give people a little bit of grace in some of these conversations. And you've heard how much I talk about trans issues on the show. So I hope you know where I'm coming from. I think in a world where we're really fighting to get across the board to people that, um, you know, being trans is not just one thing. It doesn't mean you had surgery. It doesn't mean you're a cross-dresser or all the things that people assume it means that they predicate all of their other things they are so upset they don't understand on. Like, well, if you, I just don't understand, like, a man wearing a dress or I don't understand why you wouldn't get surgery or, like, why do you want to get surgery to do this? And so... I think it's a really important thing for people's education to just start with the identity part and that, you know, your identity can be expressed any way you want to. And that requires a more sophisticated understanding of gender. If I was trans, I might not change the way that I, um, it, you know, dress at all. Perhaps I just have come out to everybody and, and let them know that I know that I'm male and I was, but, and then, you know, we have Caitlyn Jenner who has befuddled the world by still continuing to date women after her open transition and coming out, which is much more common than people think. So I do want to say, I don't think that somebody should be crucified for not quite knowing if they're looking at a trans person or not if they're if the knowing if someone's trans these are sheltered early 50s mid 50s white women that know like andy warhol and drag queen they just met their first black 
gay friend yesterday and they probably have a hairdresser who teaches them how to say yas. That's it. I mean, integration happened in their lifetime. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't know any trans people except for meeting some of the most famous people on the red carpet once or twice. And trans people have only just now got access to that. Like we said, the issues that trans people face in society, the rooms that they are shut out of, there's not a lot of like rich, wealthy trans people on the Upper East Side, but they're, and these bitches don't leave the Upper East Side. Well, I, where's Fashion Week this year? It's not Bryan Park anymore. I don't know. I guess they left the Upper East Side for that. But I, I don't think they hang out with people who are not like probably Upper East Side established uh, white male gays about towns and Andy Cohen's and people like that. And that does not necessarily give you the exposure that you need. So it was very interesting to read in the comments of people saying, you're an, you are, you're an alley, you're an alley, you're an alley. And it's like, yeah, guess who else is an alley? Lisa Vanderpump, who makes it her whole mission to take all the money from all the gay people in uh, West Hollywood. But then she also made actually, you know, more virulently transphobic comments about um, Erica Jane saying, I think she's tucking it away and stuff, something like that. So that, and that did not go over well. And that's someone who, you know, being an ally is part of her brand and a huge part of her money making and is on gay pride floats. So it just goes to show you how you can be an ally to the gay community. And one, well, and I never heard them say anything about a lesbian, um, or by people. So you can be an ally to the gay community while just knowing really nothing about trans people. I mean, I would, I would, I'm not saying like it's okay and it's a, it's a functional way to be an ally. I'm saying that there's lots of people walking around that are like that. I mean, and it, it's, we know that these problems exist within the gay community anyway, or the LGBT community at large rather, because look at what happened this 50th pride at Stonewall with a white gay dude screaming down a a woman of color, a transgender woman of color who is there to talk about how they are still being killed and, you know, the revolution has not been televised, is still underway, and called the cops on her. I mean, if that is not a clearer sign of how progress is measured and whose life matters and who doesn't, I don't know what is. So I thought this was really interesting because even the comments and the expectations of these women, I think, were, were based on a false, you know, predicated on a false notion that just because they hang out with and get their makeup done by and have, I mean, I think Sonia said, I have, I mean, no, Wednesday is my day. I go out with my gays, my gays. Like I, just because that's happening does not mean that they give a fuck about many other, you know, other socioeconomic classes of gay people, LGBTQ people at large or trans people. So all I can hope right now is that, like I said, I don't think the comments were meant maliciously. I think that they were really rude and loud, but let's be honest, both of these women low-key have a drinking problem, so it's not low-key, it's like high-key, so they were probably drunk and being loud and messy, and I'm I'm really sorry to this model who had her moment you know, disturbed and ruined like that. I mean, imagine the stress of even performing if someone's talking loudly, period. Not to mention criticizing your body at a fashion show or doing what appeared, what sounded like a criticism. I, as someone who just knows way more about these shows than anyone should, I'm like 90, 90% sure that the kind of body obsessed, always being on a diet, 55 year old, you know, drinking, you know, seltzer and lime all the time, 
I mean, with Jen, bitches they are. I know they meant, oh, look how snatched she is. There's no way she's a real woman. And I say real because I know that's what they said. They don't know what cisgender means, and they have no idea why that's problematic. They just know that they have to sign their name in Black Joseph the Goat's book uh, to, you know, be able to live forever and look good, and they're pressed. I feel like this is the second time I've mentioned Black Joseph. I'm not a devil worshiper. I just watched The Witch again uh, recently with a new person. Does thou want to see the world? Look, the moment that goat starts talking is one of the most iconic moments in cinematic history. You can at me. I don't care. Anyway, maintaining their looks and the thousands that go into it is what these women think about all the time. But it's a fascinating cross-section of society, the work that goes into preserving yourself at a certain level of wealth and a certain age group, and they're all about their procedures, and they saw, I think, I'm pretty sure they saw someone who just looked impeccable, and were like, oh, no way. There's no way. And that's because they could never. I think Yasmin was of color, too, which is even another, you know, gulf between body expectations. But that does not make it okay, and they have to apologize now. So I'm really interested to see if they can not pull a Kevin Hart and give the kind of gracious apology that is required. It would have to be something like, I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. I'm really ignorant about terminology, the whole situation, and I was just drunk and rude and out of pocket for talking loud where someone could hear me, you know, the, some, some, the person who's performing in front of me could hear me. Please forgive me. I have a lot to learn. And donate some money to a good organization. But don't, oh, I could see Dorinda doing the everyone's uh, not sensitive enough, like I'm an old school New Yorker. Make it nice. Just make it nice. I could see her going off the rails and being um, defensive because that's the way she acts with her friends. And I could see Sonia just being like, I am a total drunk idiot. Like, please forgive me and teach me. So I hope that's what happens. I don't want them to get kicked off the show. The show would be kind of boring without them because they're absolutely insane. Oh, I just Googled Yasmin. Her name is Yasmin Petty. She's Italian and Moroccan. She's stunning. And she's a dress size 10. I mean, they don't even, they probably had their brains exploded that someone who actually ate sandwiches was on the runway. There's, there's a lot that they were confused about uh, with a thick, beautiful body. So, well, very slim thick. But, I mean, not emaciated is like, it's a lot for the Upper East Side. It was, they were completely out of their, out of their zone. Okay, that's it. Let's see what happens with that. I'll keep you updated. So I feel like this is the longest show I've ever done, but a lot happened. You're welcome. It's free. Listen to part of it today. Listen to part of it tomorrow. Whatever you need to do. But Felicity Huffman, great actress. No problem with her acting. Love watching her. Has been sentenced to one month in prison for paying $15,000 for her daughter's SAT scores to be tampered with. So... We're going to compare that to Kelly Williams Bowler. She used her father's address uh, as her own to get her children into a better school district. Like her father. She, like someone you could very feasibly live with, an address you actually have access to. Not really like complete fraud in the sense of fraud. She was sentenced. She ended up serving um, 10 days in jail, $70,000 fine, three years probation, 80 days community service, and think about how that money 
is ruinous for middle class people lacking access to the point where they would even have to lie to be in a better school district. Like they live in a place that doesn't have great schools anyway. So that can, you can extrapolate about their financial situation. And then Tanya McDowell was sentenced to five years in prison for, uh, Doing the same thing. This Obviously, these two women are black moms. I didn't even think I had to say that. It goes without saying. Tanya McDowell sentenced to five years for lying to get her kid in a better school district, uh, lying about your address, versus paying an adult to go tamper with the college board's SAT scores, laugh about it, committing, I guess, like wire fraud and all these types of things. But the black women were charged with grand larceny. Think about that. It's like stealing education. I just, you know, so Felicity Huffman is, she's not responsible for discrepancies in the criminal justice system at all. She is not. So she's going to jail for a month. I'm sure it'll be really comfortable and cushy there. She'll probably come out and write a memoir or have a TV show special about it. Things are going to go up, look, only look up for her. That's, that's the way they go. And I can just, let's just say, I guess... The criminal justice system wanted to show affluent white people that they, that it exists. Some of them, they're not aware that there is a criminal justice system. So I'm not even looking at it as what the punishment was. I'm honestly looking at it that a punishment happened at all is, is a big deal, to be quite honest. I, there's a, there is a sector of society that is not aware that there are things that they can't pay their way out of. And again, I say this as someone who went to an Ivy League school where like white kids would genuinely be surprised when they anything happened to them for underage drinking, but we would be too because like I said, the black like engineers and first generation people who, you know, weren't allowed to leave the house ever for high school are just listening to, you know, some the dream and Sierra in the next room. We get public safety to come over to shut us down for the noise while people are like doing lines of coke off each other's asses next door like actually so hey you could get in trouble for stuff even if you're white and rich i think that's we're moving forward that's a step forward okay i'm not sure if you're actually hearing this story last in line because I don't know where I'll put it. I want to give you guys a nice balance of things. I don't want you to hear me just straight, you know, raining curses and voodoo hexes down upon the world. You know, I like to mix it up. But this is the story that was really, really bothering me that I was mentioning at the top of the show. So a young woman, a young teenager in Alaska, won her school swim meet against a rival school and then... Her prize was revoked because her swimsuit was deemed immodest. Now, I took notes because I wanted to like, actually, in detail, explain how the fuckery could even happen. Um, so this is uh, the organization that is in charge of high school swimming in Alaska is the National Federation of State... What? National Federation of State High School Association the fuck one second so that was correct it was just said in a weird way because the washington post article made it seem like this was an alaskan thing but obviously if it's national it's everywhere so there is a national federation of state high school associations meaning i guess teams and these are the people who 
have rules about modesty, and so they stated that the female swimmers have to cover their buttocks and breasts. So that is regulation. So during this meet, a really creepy referee was instead of watching this girl's swimming talent at freestyle, watching her butt, she whispered to the other referee, oh my gosh, look at her wedgie. There's full, literally this is a quote, full cheek to cheek contact. Like her butt cheeks were touching each other. I mean, butt cheeks live next to each other, but scandalously, her butt cheeks were touching each other in plain sight as she was swimming. And so they revoked her prize. This is just this, this is the, those are the facts. I mean, I have more facts that are surfaced, but just on that level alone, it is just so mind bogglingly backwards, old fashioned. You just, I hate to be like in 2019, because that's usually something white people say to pretend that racism is over and they're surprised and it's just irritating. But in 2019, I guess I am surprised by this level of, you know, something this puritanical. I mean, the fact that a woman's achievements in her sport would be dictated by whether her costume, I'm such an actor, uniform, (laughs) whether her uniform, not costume, uniform is modest enough is so sad. I mean, with the boys teams, I feel like you're, they're talking about, is this cheating? Cause this, this is more aerodynamic than the other one. And you remember that like year in the Olympics where people started wearing the unitards and the like full body suits because those were sleeker. They made you kind of like a baby seal in the water versus then if you have your chest out, you got to shave your chest hair. So over on the boys side, we're thinking about sports and the boys bathing suits are cut really low. They wiggle all around. No one gives a fuck here for women, females, girls, girls, they, these are girls. We're worried about modesty. So there is a double standard and just already telling you that, I mean, that right on the outset, that's just kind of telling you, Hey, woman, girl, child, we don't even think you should really be playing sports anyway if you don't look a certain way. And we already know that from tennis and the harassment Serena Williams gets. I think it was, I talked about it two weeks ago, just that sometimes when I sit back and think about the fact that it's appropriate to wear a skirt in tennis, then you just realize how arbitrary shit is. Like that, you are, that is, it is modest to wear a skirt while you're, you, you know, leaping all over like a gazelle on the court. That doesn't make any sense. So we know a lot of the shit doesn't make sense, but that doesn't excuse how violently sexist it is. And then to get to the part that touches me um, and I really relate to and that pisses me off even more deeply and that I, that really connect, I feel connected to this girl is that she was wearing the same bathing suit as everybody else. Let's let that, let's let, let that marinate for a second inside your brain, Okay. They chose the fucking bathing suits, and that is the way it looked on her, and then they told her that she was inappropriate. Now, I'm sure that I don't have to tell you, you probably already guessed that this is the only non-white member of the team, so it is not only sexist, it is racist, as I feel like most things are interconnected. They're never going to just be one. If it's a woman of color, it's going to be both. So she's a mixed girl on the team, and this is how they're coming from her. for her. She's curvier than the rest of them. She has a big butt, which literally has been made into a Venus hot and hot spectacle, and I will get into that. But 
that's that's what they're doing. So the thing that pisses me off about this is the thing that always pisses me off, that there's double standards in how women are perceived based on their race and body shape that are genetically influenced. We, women of black women, I don't even want to say women of color, let me speak for black women, women of the African diaspora are built differently. We are traditionally more curvy, have more going on in the quad, buttocks area. That is just the way we are shaped. So first of all, you weren't even thinking about her when you picked the fucking bathing suit in the first place because you should have picked a bathing suit that looked a way that everyone was comfortable on everyone. This shit takes me back to dance recitals when we were little kids and they'd bring the moms in and tell them what kind of you know, hair they wanted for the, uh, for the recital and what kind of makeup palette. My sister, who's beautiful, chocolate, dark skin, they would like pass out a chalky ass, you know, pale blue that didn't even show up. They would choreograph ponytail flipping into the choreography, build it in there and say like you, everyone has to wear a high ponytail for this and like whipping it would be part of it. I have a high, we had high Afro puffs. That was even before people were wearing, let me think, if I wear a wash and go, can I even whip my hair? Only when it's wet. Only if it's like wet and gel down. So no, if it dries, it's, it's going to stay mostly still without the wind. And back then, there were Afro puffs. So like, you bring these little black girls in and you tell them that this is the makeup palette for them. This is the way the design of the hair goes. And it just has absolutely, literally nothing to do with you, but you want uniformity. I mean, the idea of uniformity at all is a little bit scary to me because, you know, that's the reason that the Rockettes used to be all white. They used to say that it broke up the line of the choreography and the visuals and the formations to have brown legs popping up next to the peach legs. So I already, you know, I just don't like rules. Y'all, you know that. But, I mean, if you want some kind of uniformity, you have to think about the people that are there. I guess what I'm saying is there's no such thing as uniformity. It has to be tweaked so that we can arrive at some sort of harmony, tweaked for the individual. But instead, you would rather malign this individual and pretend like, she doesn't exist because you didn't consult with her body type or get her opinion when you were thinking about the suits. But then afterwards, you decide she exists as a, you know, Jezebel, hot and tot, distraction, seductress, you know, child baby prostitute problem that you need to solve. It's wrong. This is so wrong. And this girl is going to have body image issues for the rest of her life because of this bullshit. Okay. You thought that that might be the worst of it because it's bad, right? It's not. So in the past, a parent took, a parent of the school took pictures of this girl's backside and they just called it, they didn't, even, they said backside in the Washington Post because I guess it's like, yeah, we're talking about a child. They took pictures of her butt and sent it to the other parents to show that the bathing suits are inappropriate. Let me, let me repeat this. Someone whose brain cells must not really be regenerating on any kind of level that is helpful for anyone thought that the way to show that something was inappropriate was to take pornographic pictures of a child without her permission of her butt, like behind her, 
sneaky pictures of a kid and disseminate those pictures. Now, thankfully, the the vice principal was like, um, hey, creepy idiot, you should probably not take pictures of a child. I think you should delete that. You know, passing around pictures of children's butts to other parents. Sort of weird. All the referees in question were female. It's, um, you know, I'm not going to say that men are, like, in any way advanced and stuff like that and that they are, you know, of course they're enforcing the patriarchy and, and the court systems don't rule in our favor enough for sexual harassment and stuff like that. But I would say on the, on the, on the ground, the, the people on the ground doing the community service of oppressing women's bodies and reinforcing, you know, ownership of women's bodies oftentimes is other women. For a lot of different reasons, for propriety, but also sometimes jealousy, control. It's, you know, I don't always think men are like, oh, she, you know, she looks sexy, but I wouldn't sleep with her. No, they would sleep with all of us. So if someone is a fucking pedophile and goes to those games, they're going to look at the girl with a big butt, or maybe they're a pedophile and their taste is a, a, a skinny, undeveloped girl. So stop being a weirdo, and what exactly are you trying to stop from happening? I just don't get it. Um... So this person, I imagine, is like probably the same person that, oh, no, it was plural mothers. So there is, the real MVP is this coach from another school uh, who was going on the record, like gave her name and everything, and was taking up for this young woman and and spilling the tea about how crazy these other mothers act. But apparently some of the mothers have... Well, before I say that, I will say that that school federation did release a memorandum uh, in August saying that bathing suits were not supposed to expose butts. So again, they have they did say that, but they approved the bathing suit on everybody else but one person. So there's that. So there, yes, is there was there pressure from above to cover butts? Like okay, but what wasn't decided was that you had to disqualify someone after they won. I mean, it would make much more sense to not let them swim. You look a lot less sketchy not letting someone compete in something than letting them win and being like, no, I take it back because um, your your nail polish is sparkly. But I was going to say that this coach has tattled on the moms from another school, or she's from another school, and she's tattled on the moms from this school. She she let it be known that mothers have complained in the past about this girl and and her sister. She also has a brick house sister, bless them both, and said that they are they need to cover up in front of their sons. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um here's like a really quick thing for America. Like again, I know we have like pilgrim ancestry, but so people have bodies. People wear clothes. Underneath their clothes, they're naked. They're not, like, fucking backwards, upside down underneath their clothes. They're not, you know, wearing a dildo necklace underneath their clothes. And they're just naked. Like, it's not sexual to be naked. They're just naked the way they were born. That's what's underneath clothes. So if anything, your sons are going to know that underneath the bathing suits of other girls are naked bodies. I'm not sure what you are protecting him from knowing. I'm not sure. If he is having trouble controlling his erections, that's teenage stuff, and that's his problem. And I also feel like you would probably be the same person that doesn't want your son to be gay if you're this anal and worked up over sexuality and shit like that. But you also don't want him to see 
girls with his eyes. I'm not even going to say see pretty girls because like that might not even be what he likes. Whatever his taste is, you put him on the swim team and you just you're scared of wedgies. I don't. I think you should move to to a cave. I just don't think you're a useful member of society. I just don't. I think you're whack. You're raising whack kids. Everything about you is whack. That's what I think. Um, so yeah, these girls are traumatized now and. The, the coach who is, you know, stepped forward and is speaking out said that this young woman is like the, she was like, she's literally the friendliest person ever. She's a sweet girl. She's a strong girl, but this just broke her down and she was crying. I don't even know. A teenager? What are you going to do? What? This girl's going to be like cutting herself and throwing up in, in a two seconds. Like this is, you, you got, they, they're like destroying this young woman. Really? But, I mean, I'm so sorry for her, and I wish I knew who you were and I could reach out to you personally, but you've learned early, at an early age, that you can't do the same thing white women do, that things that you put on your body are perceived a different way, that you're read a different way, that sexuality is projected onto you because of the way you're shaped, because you could be doing normal things and minding your own business, and you're still going to be treated differently. And that is a lesson we all have to learn, just, just the same way that we give our black sons the talk about the police. But I, it should never have been transmitted to her in this kind of public way, taking accolades away from you that you earned with your hard-earned, you know, front cross strokes it's just so, so angering. So there's, you know, like we said, there's racism, there's sexism, there's, I want to say religiosity, I don't know. We just have a lot to entangle, disentangle in America with nudity and the way we view that and our really weird is what time of year is it? I'm ready for uh, I'm ready for Pornhub to release that shady list of all the, the different types of porn people listen to and listen to people watch in every state and how it it directly correlates with whatever they're against like you know the south is like the most interracial porn and gay porn things like that like we have such a weird hypocritical relationship with sex and our own sexuality that we are we are coming at teenagers for having bodies now that are doing beautiful really challenging sports doing performing at their peak ability and things that have nothing to do with sex. And that's where you're going to take it because a bitch had a wedgie in a swimming suit. You get wedge things right up big girls asses. If you had asked anyone with any kind of ass, they would have told you what kind of bathing suit cuts you could get, but you didn't think to do that. Cause you didn't even want to include her. It's just, it's just that circular trifecta of fuckery. Do not make us invisible and then punish us when you notice us afterwards. Oh my gosh. I am so mad. Yes, this is going to go last because it's just a lot of screaming, and I'm sorry, but ooh, ooh, I'm pissed. Ooh, I am pissed. I really need to figure out who I can contact because this, this is not something I think I can keep to myself. Somebody's getting a, somebody's, somebody, I'm calling the manager. I'm calling the manager. Manager. All right, guys, this concludes another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Thank you so much for your listening and patronage so far. Like I said, we have a lot more exciting things in the works so please look out for some announcements on social and go to apple Podcasts, hit subscribe and rate and review you can also follow us on spotify and soundcloud and stitcher and google play um so yeah stay tuned for those announcements i think it's going to be a new way of releasing content that you will really enjoy as for the podcast schedule 
Hot Girl Summer is coming to a closing, so we're going to go back to our regular time so you can expect that consistency to get you through your work day and things like that. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Just stick around. Look out for some announcements about some new developments, and I will talk to you very soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, writer, and singer Kilechi Azie. It features music by the talented Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out MelanieJBCharles.com.